0: I hope you're all doing so well, and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history, and today we are going to be talking about the case of Charlie Brandt. To the outside world, Charlie Brandt seemed to live a pretty normal life. He came across as a good husband, a hard worker with a good job and a good home, but under the surface, oh boy, did Charlie have a dark side. First of all, Charlie was keeping some pretty big secrets. There was a hugely shocking incident that happened in Charlie's childhood that he kept hidden from those around him. And we're talking about the kind of thing you would really want to know about somebody if you were going to get close to them, maybe marry them. And second of all, Charlie had a lot of dark and creepy obsessions. And we're talking about not normal obsessions, okay? There is no judgment here on this podcast. Never judgment. But, oh God, Charlie. Yeah, I can't help but judge him. And unfortunately, this included a creepy obsession with his very own niece, a woman called Michelle Jones. And very sadly, Charlie's dark side built and built under the surface... ...until an incident occurred with his niece that ended in absolute tragedy. And we're talking like truly shocking. Some of the things that happen in this case are not nice to hear about at all. And then on top of all of that, to this very day... ...there are still a lot of questions surrounding just how terrible Charlie Brandt was. Which will obviously make a lot more sense later on in the case. So with all of that being said... Let's dive in. Brandt was born on the 23rd of February 1957 making him a Pisces. He was born in Connecticut but then later moved to Indiana when he was 11 years old. He lived with his parents Herbert and Ilsa and then his three sisters Angela who was older than him and then his two younger sisters who were Jesse and Melanie. Now Charlie's childhood can definitely be described as disruptive. His dad Herbert worked as a laborer for a manufacturing company and in his job he had to Move around a lot, and the family moved so many times they went from texas connecticut indiana they even went to florida and then even within those states they were still moving around so charlie had to relocate so many times and he had to go to so many new schools and this had a huge impact on charlie because he never felt settled whenever he went to a new school maybe started to kind of settle in get familiar with the area maybe make some friends his family would have to move again. And Charlie has been described as a very shy, introverted child. And he struggled to make friends anyway. So having to relocate and go to different schools all the time, it made it so much harder for him to come out of his shell. And because he was always the new kid in school, he was an easy target for bullies. But on top of that, Charlie obviously was suffering at school, but he also didn't have it that easy at home either. And this was because his relationship with his father was, was um, a bit strained. Now, Charlie's dad, Herbert, thought that Charlie was too much of a sissy boy, that he wasn't manly enough. And Herbert wanted to make his son more manly. So he would take him on hunting trips, teach him how to do, quote, manly things, which whatever that is. And he would also scold Charlie whenever Charlie showed any emotion. Charlie was never allowed to show emotion because that was weakness. That was too girly. He was never allowed to cry and uh, remember that. But Charlie did have one comfort in life, and that was the family dog. The dog was a beagle, and I don't know the name of the dog, I'm sorry. This dog was Charlie's best friend, and I feel like we can all relate to that. All of us pet owners, we can relate to that. Like, our dog is our best friend. They are a part of our family, and Charlie loved spending time with his dog. They were inseparable when he was at home. However, Charlie's dad, had a problem with this. Of course he did. Because Herbert didn't like how attached his son was getting to this dog. I just don't understand, like, what is the big deal? But Herbert thought, "Mm, I don't like this. You're becoming too emotionally dependent on this dog. That is not manly. Mm, No, no. But I think what possibly annoyed Herbert more than anything else is that the dog would always misbehave for him. But for Charlie, the dog was perfect, so well behaved. And this really annoyed Herbert because he wanted authority over the dog. He never once thought to himself that he was the problem. And Charlie's dad just always used to get angry at the dog, just always used to shout at it, not be very nice, which was possibly the problem, Herbert. Dogs don't really respond to that. But for Charlie, this dog was everything to him. This dog was the one ray of hope he had in his life. But unfortunately. That would not last forever because when Charlie was aged 13, an absolutely terrible incident occurred that would change Charlie's life forever. And ultimately, I do believe that this was the moment that triggered off the series of events that happened in this case. Like, I do feel like this was the trigger point. And I do need to warn you all now, um, something does happen to the dog. So just prepare yourselves for that. It's not going to be nice to hear. And things escalate very quickly from this moment on. So what started all of this was that one day, the whole family were on vacation and it was over the holiday period and one day Charlie and Herbert were out hunting, doing manly things, and they took the dog with them on their hunting trip. So they were out hunting, they were shooting their rifles, and all of a sudden the dog ran away. I don't know what happened, I don't know if the dog got scared, got spooked, I don't really know, but the dog just ran away and it ran away into some bushes and it wouldn't come out. So because the dog wouldn't come out of the bushes, Herbert was getting really, really angry. So he pulled out his rifle, pointed it at the bushes that the dog was hiding in and just started shooting. Herbert's version of events is that he only started to shoot into the bushes to scare the dog into coming out of the bushes. Herbert claims he never intended to hit the dog, but tragically, He did. The dog was hit by one of the bullets that he fired and very sadly died. Charlie had just witnessed his dad shoot his dog. He was absolutely heartbroken and he wanted to cry, but he wasn't allowed. He had to keep that emotion in. He didn't want to look like a, quote, sissy kid in front of his dad and the family left vacation a couple of days later and the dog was no longer with them. Now Charlie's versions of events are slightly different. He believes that his dad shot his dog on purpose. Charlie claims that his dad wanted to teach him a lesson. You shouldn't get too emotionally attached to a dog which is disgusting. It's awful. I have no words for that but we obviously don't know which version of events is actually true. Is Herbert's true? Is Charlie's true? But if we just pretend for a second that Herbert's version of events is the true story, why the hell would you shoot bullets into a bush to try and scare a dog out? The dog is clearly hiding in the bushes because it's already scared. That is not the way to get a dog out of a bush. So the whole family now is back at home. They have returned From vacation, and it is the first week of school. Now, Charlie, it is thought because we obviously don't know, but in that first week back, we can assume that Charlie was having some pretty dark and disturbing thoughts. And we're assuming this because of what he goes on to do next. Because if you thought that the whole dog incident was the shocking incident that I was talking about in the intro, well, you would be wrong. On the night of the 3rd of January 1971, this was just one week after Charlie lost his dog. Charlie was sat at home at the kitchen table just doing his homework. The rest of the family were also inside the house. His parents were upstairs in the bathroom. His mom, Ilsa, was taking a bath, and his dad, Herbert, was shaving at the sink. I also just want to point out here that Ilsa, his mom, is currently pregnant. She's currently eight months pregnant. Charlie's sister Angela was also in the house. She was in her bedroom reading and then his two younger sisters, they were only three and two years old at this point and they were already in bed asleep. So that is where everyone is right now. So currently Charlie is at the kitchen table doing his homework, but he wasn't doing his homework. He was actually forming a very disturbing plan because all of a sudden he got up from the table and he walked up to his parents' bedroom and retrieved a gun from his father's nightstand. Charlie then heads to the bathroom where both of his parents currently are. Charlie then looked at his parents and before anyone could do anything, Charlie just started shooting at his dad. He fired three shots at his dad and his dad instantly collapsed. His mom started screaming and shouting. She was shouting things like, no, Charlie, no. She also started screaming for her eldest daughter, Angela, to call the police. But tragically, Charlie was not only just going after his dad, he was also going after his whole family. So Charlie then turned the gun to his mom. He pulled the trigger and fired two shots into her stomach. One of these bullets tragically ended up hitting the eight-month-old unborn child. And then Charlie's mom also collapsed in the bathtub. But like I said, Charlie was not just going after his dad, or maybe even his mom. He was going after his whole Family, because Angela was in the next room. She was in her bedroom and she was reading, and she heard this whole thing go off. She heard the shots. She heard her mom screaming and shouting. She heard her mom tell her, Call the police. Angela didn't have a clue what was going on, and I can guarantee you, she did not think that it was her brother that was firing those shots. She was absolutely terrified. She jumped up off her bed and ran to the doorway, but Charlie was stood there. Charlie had left the bathroom and he had now walked. Walked into Angela's bedroom and he was still holding a gun. He then raised the gun and aimed it at Angela's head and he pulled. The trigger. Angela prepared herself for the worst. She thought that she was going to die. She already thought that her parents were dead next door. But thankfully, the gun didn't fire. Charlie had run out of bullets. But it still wasn't over, because as soon as Charlie realized that he was out of bullets, he dropped the gun and launched himself at his sister and started to strangle her. But Angela fought back, and she kicked and screamed. And she was pleading with him. She was pleading for her life. She was telling him, Charlie, I love you. I love you. I'm your sister. And in this moment, as he was strangling her, she looked into his eyes, and who she saw was not her brother. She has said that it was like he was possessed. It was like he was in a trance. His eyes were like glazed over. That was not her brother. And as soon as Angela started saying, I love you, Charlie, I love you, that almost seemed to wake him up. And his eyes refocused, and Charlie almost woke up from the trance, and he immediately said what am I doing? Now Angela was like, what do you mean? What are you doing? You've shot our parents. Now Angela is absolutely terrified of Charlie. She thinks that he has murdered both of their parents and now he wants to murder her. She wants to get as far away from him as physically possible, but she knows that she has to play this right. She knows that Charlie is very capable of murdering her. So she decided to take advantage of Charlie's confused state and she started to say to Charlie, it's okay It's okay. Everything is going to be okay. Everything is fine. We'll run away together. We'll always be together. I'll never leave you. She told Charlie to pack up some things because they were leaving. They were going to run away together. And Charlie agreed. So he went to pack up some things. And as soon as he was out the way, Angela bolted for that door and she ran to a neighbor's house. Finally, she had managed to escape. She was in hysterics at this neighbor's house. She was saying, My brother has. shot my parents. My brother has shot my parents. He has killed them. Please call the police. Please call an ambulance. But back inside the house, what Angela didn't realize is that their dad, Herbert, even though he had been shot three times in the back, had managed to get himself up, get himself to a phone, and he managed to call an ambulance. So an ambulance was already on its way, and also the police were already on their way as well. So the ambulance arrived not too long after Angela managed to escape from the house. found Herbert lying back on the floor, and even though he had been shot three times, they managed to treat him, and Herbert amazingly survived this attack. But very sadly, the same could not be said for Charlie's mother, Ilsa. After receiving two gunshot wounds to her stomach, tragically, Ilsa, who was only 37 years old, and her eight-month unborn child both lost their lives. And bloody hell, oh my god, that was absolutely horrific, wasn't it? For Charlie to go on a rampage against his whole family, he was about to murder every single person in that household. If he had successfully murdered Angela, I guarantee you he would have then turned the gun on his two younger sisters as well. And I think we can all understand where Charlie's anger may have come from. I mean, his dad literally murdered his dog in front of him. But to retaliate the way that he has, is not okay. And I'm not saying that his dad deserved to be shot. I'm really not saying that. But what did his mom ever do to him? What did his sister ever do to him? But anyway, back to Charlie. He is currently in the house and he's packing up a few of his things because he thinks that he's running away with Angela. But then he realizes that Angela has fled the house and he realizes that she has gone to a neighbor's house to call for help. And he felt completely devastated and betrayed by Angela. And this is definitely... At least something to note because this is another trigger for Charlie. But fortunately in that moment Charlie just seemed to give up and as soon as the police arrived he gave himself in and he seemed to be remorseful and felt sorry for what he did but also confused. He didn't understand why he had done what he had done. Charlie was arrested for what he had done and he was interviewed and the police just couldn't find out a motive for why Charlie had done what he had done. Charlie was not giving any reason. I mean obviously we're going to Assume that he acted out of anger and wanted to get revenge on his dad because of the dog situation. But Charlie didn't actually mention that to the police at the time. He just kept saying very vague and very weird statements. He kept saying things like, I was programmed to kill my family. I loved them and I didn't want to, but I was programmed to kill them, which is not normal. That it's like, what the hell? Charlie was examined by two psychiatrists because obviously he's only 13 and he's just murdered his mom and the things that he was saying as well. But the two experts determined that Charlie had no mental illness. He had no mental health problems at all. And the two experts determined that he had acted on irresistible impulse, and that he had a moral defect, not a mental one. And no motive has ever been found for why Charlie turned on his family that night. And I've got to just take a moment here to say what the actual hell. Charlie has taken a gun, killed his mom and his unborn sibling, tried to kill his dad, tried to kill his sister, and he doesn't have any mental health problems. I just don't buy that. And following this analysis, authorities actually didn't know what to do with Charlie because he was only 13 at the time and they couldn't charge him with murder because in the state of Indiana, 13 is too young to be charged with murder. I don't know if it's like that still today, but at least back then he couldn't be charged with murder. But following this, a grand jury did decide that he should receive psychiatric treatment because... Clearly, there is something going on there. And the grand jury also explicitly stated that they believed that there was a significant risk to Charlie and that he could pose a danger to the public at some point later on down the line, which... um, (laughs) is an understatement, let's just say that. So Charlie went to this hospital and he received treatment, we can assume, because we actually don't know what treatment he received, his medical records are sealed, so we don't know, but he did go to hospital, so I think it's safe to assume that he did receive some kind of treatment. So after receiving treatment at this hospital for one year, Charlie Brent was released, which is honestly unbelievable to me because he has shot and murdered his mom and his unborn sibling and attempted to kill two other family members and he only received one year's worth of treatment. So after Charlie is released from hospital, he goes back and lives with his dad and his three siblings, which include Angela, which don't forget, he has tried to murder her. I just think it's absolutely crazy that Herbert moved Charlie back into the house with his three other children when Charlie could possibly pose a threat to their lives. I mean, I do get it. It's like, where else is Charlie going to go? But I just think that whole situation is crazy. And Angela, Poor Angela. She was absolutely terrified of Charlie. She did not want to live with him. She was scared of him. I mean, of course she is. You would be scared of anyone who has tried to murder you. But apparently, Herbert had completely forgiven Charlie. Herbert was actually the one that petitioned for Charlie to be released from that hospital. Herbert had stayed loyal to his son throughout the whole process. But not just that. Herbert never spoke to Charlie or anyone, which includes his three other children. He never spoke to anyone about the shooting. So when Charlie was released, he never said, oh, hi, Charlie. What the hell happened there? Maybe we should talk about it. Why did you want to kill me? Why did you kill your mom? Herbert never had any of those conversations. He never tried to get to the bottom of what happened, maybe help his son, maybe prevent it from happening again. But he also never talked to Angela about what happened. And Angela is absolutely traumatized by the events of that night. And Herbert never said to Angela, it will be okay, I won't let it happen again. I will keep an eye on him, none of that. But not just that. This is what really gets me. So remember, Charlie has two younger siblings who at the time of that attack that night were the ages three and two. They were too young to realize what was going on on that night. They were asleep in their bed and Charlie's dad never told his two youngest daughters how their mom had died. Those two younger children believed that their mom and their sibling died in a car crash because that is the story that Herbert spun. Those two young girls, Jessica and Melanie, went through pretty much their whole life until they were in their 30s thinking that their mom had died in a car crash. They had no idea that actually their older brother had murdered their mom. Imagine Finding out that. Imagine finding out that your older sibling was actually the reason your mom is no longer here. Angela was also never allowed to speak about what happened. Herbert literally wanted to keep this a secret from the entire world. So no one ever spoke about this incident. No one said a word. And if that is not the literal definition of sweeping something under the rug, I don't know what is. I mean, all families... At least most families have a few family secrets, but oh my God, this has to be the biggest family secret I think I've ever heard. So pretty much in the end, I know he went to hospital for a year, but pretty much Charlie has gotten away with murder. Okay, so it already feels like I've covered a whole case already because I pretty much have. And it's just unbelievable. Like I still cannot get over that whole situation. I really can't, but we are about to enter into another crazy situation. So following Charlie's release he went on to live a pretty normal life. He went back to high school. He actually made some friends. He actually settled in really well. He was a pretty high achiever at school and I just think that this is really weird because before he killed his mom he really struggled. He really struggled to fit in but now that he's killed his mom he seems to have friends. He seems to actually be thriving in life which is terrifying. So he eventually graduated high school. He went on to college and got a degree, which was in engineering. And then he went on to find himself a job as a radar technician for Ford Aerospace in Florida. And then at the age of 29, I know we are skipping ahead a bit, but there isn't really much information about his life in this middle bit. And then at the age of 29, Charlie would meet a woman that he would soon go on to marry. And this was a woman called Terry Helfrich. And he was introduced to Terry through his best friend Jim Graves, and when Jim introduced Charlie to Terry, they both hit it off. Terry was described as having a carefree personality, she was just very kind, very sweet, and Charlie quickly became infatuated with her. And it wasn't long until they were married. It was a very whirlwind relationship, but they seemed to have the perfect relationship. At least that is what everyone around them thought. They were the couple that people envied. They just seemed to have everything. They seemed to be so in love. They moved into a nice beach house together in Florida. Everything on the outside seems great, but as we know, that is not always the case. Because as we already know, Charlie has a very dark secret and he also has a very dark, disturbing side as well. There were definitely a few warning signs, let's just say, that would emerge about Charlie. And this is where we need to talk about Charlie's best friend, Jim Graves, because, oh my God. Now, I'm not blaming Jim for anything here. I just want to stress that this is not his fault or anything like that. But there were definitely a few significant red flags that Jim knew about and definitely should have known about. And let's just say Jim didn't exactly do much about them. So it turns out that Jim was actually the ex-husband of Angela, Mm -hmm. Angela, the very sister that Charlie had tried to murder. So given that Jim was married to Angela, Jim actually knew about Charlie's past, about what he had done. So Jim knew that Charlie was a murderer, but he didn't seem to mind. He was still best friends with him even after he had separated from Angela. And this is where the first red flag, first big red flag crops up. So after Jim had separated from Angela, he was venting to Charlie about their relationship. And he was saying, your sister, Angela, she broke my heart. He was just venting to his friend about his relationship. But Charlie's response was uh, not normal. Not the normal response. Charlie said to Jim, well, you know how to get back at a woman, don't you? You should kill her. Cut out her heart and eat it. Now, what would you do? If someone said that to you, what would you do? Well, Jim didn't do anything. He just thought that Charlie was joking. And I just feel like maybe he should have taken him seriously because you should definitely all remember this heart thing, this cutting out the heart. You should all remember that. And I also just want to point out that Jim is venting about his ex-wife, who is Angela, who Charlie has tried to murder. And then Charlie jokes about oh you should cut out her heart and eat it. Now me personally, I feel like anyone saying that is a red flag, but if someone is saying that about someone that they've already tried to murder, huge red flag, but Jim didn't seem to think that. Also we have to remember that Jim was the one that introduced Charlie and Terry to one another. Why the hell would Jim introduce Charlie to anyone. Like, why would he do that? He knows about his past. And Charlie had gotten married to Terry without ever telling her about his past. Charlie never told Terry that he was a murderer. Now, I feel like I can safely speak on behalf of everyone, really, and say that that is something that you would want to know about someone before marrying them. Terry got married to Charlie and she just didn't have a clue what he was like, what he was capable of, what his past was. She had no idea that her husband had actually murdered his own mother. Now, Jim, has come out and said that he did try to convince Charlie to tell Terry, but I want to put emphasis on the word try because I feel like he may have a different definition to what that word means. I mean obviously it's not his complete responsibility, I do know that, and I am not putting the blame on Jim, but let's just say he didn't exactly try hard enough to make sure that Terry, who was his Friend beforehand, he was the one that chose to introduce Terry to Charlie. He didn't try hard enough to make sure that Terry knew exactly who she was getting involved with. But that is not the biggest red flag. No, no, no. The biggest red flag actually came a few years after Terry and Charlie had been married. So Terry, Charlie, and Jim, because Jim was really close to the couple, they were all out drinking out for the night and Charlie went to the bathroom. So it was just Terry and Jim. And Terry has this terrified look on her face and she turns to Jim and says, I think my husband has murdered someone. And Jim responds, whoa, what do you mean? But then Terry went on to explain that a woman was murdered not too far from their house. And this woman had been decapitated and her heart had been cut out. Remember I said about the heart cutting and you should remember it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And on that very evening of the murder, Charlie was nowhere to be found. He wasn't at home and he didn't come home all evening. And when he eventually did come home, He was covered in blood. Terry obviously confronted Charlie about being covered in blood. She was like, What the hell is all of this? And Charlie just went, Oh, I've been out fishing. I caught some fish and I cut them up. And Terry was thinking to herself, That does not look like fish blood. Now, Charlie was a pretty avid fisher, so this story could plausible, but Charlie had claimed that he had caught some fish and he had cut them up, but then he returned home with no fish. So naturally, Terry was very suspicious, and uh, I don't blame her. So when Terry is explaining all of this to Jim, alarm bells should have been going off in Jim's mind, because he knows that Charlie is already a murderer. But not only that, Jim also knows that Charlie, once upon a time, joked about cutting out a woman's heart and eating it. Jim should have said right there and then to Terry, you might be right, or at least something to that effect. But instead, he said to Terry, Oh, don't worry about it. It's probably all a misunderstanding. Charlie wouldn't do that. And Jim also didn't think to possibly clarify with Terry that she knew Charlie's deep, dark secret about him murdering his mom. Mm -mm. Jim just uh, swept it under the rug like everybody else. And I think Terry was really convinced that Charlie could be responsible for that murder and she wanted to go to the police, but Jim was the one to convince her not to. So Terry decided to put this whole incident behind her and she never found out whether Charlie was responsible for that murder or not. And take note of this because it does come back up. But following this potential murder incident, Charlie and Terry remained married and happily married for another 15 years. 15 years go by and Terry is still in the dark about Charlie and exactly what he has done. But the secrets and the weird obsessions do not end there. Because now we need to talk about Charlie's secret obsession with his niece. Charlie's niece was a woman called Michelle Jones, and in 2004, she was 37, and she worked as an executive for the Golf Channel in Orlando, Florida. Now, she was extremely hard working. She was described as a very social person. She was very energetic. She was extremely close with friends and family. She had a lot of people around her, and she was very close to her aunt, Terry, who is obviously the Terry in this story, and she would spend a lot of time with Terry, which meant that she also spent a lot of time around Charlie. But what Michelle didn't know is that Charlie had a huge, weird, secret obsession with her. And whenever Charlie was around Michelle, he wouldn't actually speak too much, but he would always just be there lurking in the corner, in the shadows. He would watch her. But on top of all of that, Charlie had a very, very creepy nickname for Michelle, and that was Victoria's Secret. Charlie would call Michelle Victoria's Secret, because Michelle wore Victoria's Secret underwear. And I don't even want to know why the hell or how Charlie knows what brand of underwear Michelle wears. But Charlie didn't just use this nickname in private. Oh no, no. He would call Michelle Victoria's Secret around friends, around family. I actually don't know if he used to call Michelle Victoria's Secret to her face, But I do know that he used to use that nickname around a lot of people and no one seemed to find this weird. But Charlie would talk about Michelle all the time and he is literally the definition of a creep. But we possibly haven't even gotten to the really creepy stuff yet, which we're about to, which I'm already feeling really weird about because it's disgusting. But another obsession of Charlie's was human anatomy. Throughout Charlie's bedroom, there were posters textbooks, journals, all on human anatomy. And I'm talking like really detailed graphic stuff, the kind of stuff that you possibly only would need if you were a medical student or something like that, or a doctor. There were also newspaper clippings, many newspaper clippings, of human hearts. And then on the back of the bedroom door, remember that this bedroom belongs to both Charlie and Terry, so on the back of his bedroom door was this huge poster of the female anatomy. It was one of those medical posters that kind of shows you half skeleton, half muscles, and all the different body parts and stuff like that. Sorry, I'm not very scientifically minded, so I don't know the proper term of it, but I'm sure you all know the kind of posters that I am talking about, the kind of posters that were on the wall in the science rooms at school. And having a poster like that is not exactly normal decoration for a bedroom other than possibly a medical student. But I actually found this poster really, really weird because I have seen a few of those posters like when I was in school, but this one was just really, really creepy because the woman that was on this poster She had hair and a hairstyle. Her hair was up in like a messy bun. And I have never in my life, not that I've seen many of these posters, but I have never seen one of these medical posters where the human on the poster has hair and a hairstyle. Is that normal? This woman has a messy bun. She has like a fringe thing going on. This doesn't seem like a normal poster to me. I don't know, I just found that really unusual. And also I felt like that made it creepier. And there is just no logical explanation as to why Charlie is so obsessed with human anatomy. But out of everything that I have just said, what I am about to say is the most creepy and disturbing. Because Charlie would regularly view necrophilia content online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that just hits you out of nowhere, doesn't it? Charlie would regularly Google erotic horror, drop dead gorgeous, and death fetish erotica. And after searching for these terms, he would quite often end up on questionable websites where there was graphic violent death. that kind of thing and in these videos it would show women that were pretending to be dead and I think we all know what was going on in those videos or pretending like they were being attacked or they were injured in some kind of way and that is what Charlie used to get off on. Charlie would also regularly look at autopsy photos online as well. He was just really obsessed with death and the human body. Another very weird, creepy, disturbing obsession of Charlie's is that he had a huge collection of Victoria's Secret catalogues. They were all addressed to him. He had so many. And when you think about the nickname that he gave his niece, oh this is just so creepy. So I feel like saying that Charlie has a few red flags is an understatement and it's hard to know how much Terry actually knew about all of this. I mean obviously she must have known about his obsession with human anatomy, because she shared a bedroom with him. She saw that poster every single day on the back of the door. She must have seen all of the textbooks and the journals in their bedroom. She must have. But what else did she know? Did she know about his creepy obsession with her niece? She obviously was suspicious about that murder, and I just feel like there must have been more that Terry knew, because why would you automatically suspect your husband, of murder if there are not already red flags that you have seen. Now, Terry actually did keep a diary. Now, it wasn't the most detailed. It wasn't like pages of entries for every single day. There were just like a few notes for each day. But there are some diary entries where she would write things like, weird day. Charlie didn't come home today. Charlie was out for this many hours. So it's hard for us to know exactly what Terry knew. But according to Terry's close family, Terry didn't know anything. Because Terry was the kind of person that wasn't very good at keeping a secret. She would tell her close family and friends everything. So if she had known about any of these red flags of Charlie's, she would have told someone. But unfortunately, Terry does get dragged into this mess in the most tragic way. Because all of these dark obsessions that Charlie has, they build up in his mind. So much so that he would go on to commit an absolutely horrific act. So on the 2nd of September 2004, there was a huge storm heading for Florida. It was actually Hurricane Ivan. And this prompted an evacuation of the Florida Keys, which is the area that Charlie and Terry lived in. Michelle also lived in Florida. She obviously lives in Orlando. And when she heard that the area that her aunt and uncle live in was being evacuated. She was really worried about them and she phoned up her Aunt Terry and she said, why don't you and Charlie come and stay with me for a while? Come and stay with me until the storm passes. But Michelle, unfortunately, she didn't realize the kind of man Charlie was and that he had a huge obsession with her. So Terry and Charlie go and stay with Michelle. Now, in the beginning, it's all great. They're having a really good time cooking dinner together, having drinks, spending time together and then it was the 13th of september 2004 this is almost two weeks after the hurricane hit now the hurricane has passed now it is okay to go home and terry really wants to go home there is no reason for them not to go home but charlie was having none of this he wanted to stay and he wanted to stay for one more night and he didn't actually give a reason why he wanted to stay for one more night. But it turns out that he did have a reason why he wanted to stay another night. He just didn't tell Michelle or Terry that reason, because Charlie was formulating a very dark and disturbing plan. So on the evening of the 13th of September, everyone was settling down for the evening. So Terry was in the living room. She was just lounging on the sofa, and Michelle was in her bedroom. And it was at this point that Charlie went into the kitchen, retrieved some knives, and launched his brutal attack. Now the exact events of what happened on that night are unknown, but it is thought that Charlie first turned to his wife, Terry, who was still on the sofa when Charlie approached her. Charlie crouched over her body, and before Terry could even register what was happening, Charlie launched his attack on Terry, and he stabbed her in quick succession seven times. And Terry lost her life instantly. But Charlie was not finished there. After he had murdered his wife, Terry, he now turned his attention to his niece, Michelle, the woman he'd had a dark obsession over for the longest time. And at this point, he now made his way to the master bedroom. Again, the exact events are not known. It's not known whether any dialogue was exchanged between Michelle and Charlie. It is also not known if any sexual advances were made by Charlie. But sadly, what we do know is that at some point, Charlie picked up a knife and he used it to stab Michelle once in the chest. And Michelle lost her life from this one stab wound. But unfortunately, the murder alone was not enough for Charlie. We all know about his dark obsession with human anatomy, his heart obsession, cutting out things, all things like that. We all know it by now. Following murder, he removed Michelle's bloody clothes. He then proceeded to dismember and dissect Michelle's body. With the use of two separate kitchen knives, Charlie went on to decapitate Michelle's head, sever off her left leg, remove her breasts, disembowel her organs, and then finally he cut out her heart. Tragically, it seems like the attack on Michelle was the accumulation of all of Charlie's sick Desires and his obsessions. And then, after Charlie finished brutally murdering his wife and niece, he took a shower. He cleaned himself off. He then made his way to the garage and he tied a noose from the rafters and he hung himself. And I don't have any words. It's like, what the actual hell? This attack on Terry and Michelle seems to have come from nowhere. And just to think about the final moments of both Terry and Michelle, to see who it was attacking them. And it's just crazy. It really is just crazy how it escalated. Like, what the hell? I mean, I think it's safe to say that Charlie's main target was always Michelle. I think that's very clear on how he murdered Michelle in comparison to how he murdered Terry. So the next day on September 14th, 2004, friends and family were becoming concerned about Michelle because Michelle was the kind of person that she was always in contact with other people. So when her friends and family didn't hear from her, they were concerned. So a concerned friend went over to Michelle's house and they were able to see into the garage. And this is when they saw Charlie's body hanging from the rafters and that sight alone would be absolutely horrific and I'm just really glad that that friend didn't go into the house and straight away phoned the police because I am so glad that they didn't come across Michelle's body themselves. So they immediately phoned 911. So the police then arrive at the scene and they kick down the door and they come across an absolute horror scene. I mean, can you imagine what that master bedroom would have looked like in the way that Charlie had murdered Michelle? The police found Terry and she was stabbed to death on the sofa and then they came across Michelle's body and Michelle's body was stabbed to death as well. But then they also found Michelle's head just there, next to her body. They obviously also found Charlie's body, and the police were left scratching their heads. They were thinking, what the hell happened here? They obviously figured out straight away that it was Charlie that carried out the murders, but they were just thinking to themselves, Why? Like, why did he murder these two women? On initial investigation, what they could find out about Charlie is that he was in a happy, loving relationship with Terry, and he was just a happy, normal guy. So, of course, the police head down to Charlie and Terry's home, which is still boarded up from the hurricane. Inside the house, they start to discover Charlie's dark secrets and obsessions. They come across the anatomy poster on the back of the door, they come across the surgical books, the newspaper cutouts of the hearts, the huge collection of Victoria's Secret catalogues. They also managed to figure out that Charlie had a huge obsession with his niece and as soon as they find out that he has this huge obsession with his niece, the police think right that is the motive. But the revelations don't stop there, because during the investigation Angela, Charlie's sister, came forward. Now we all know the shocking story that Angela has to share, and she wanted to tell the investigators straight away. Angela had carried the secret of what Charlie had done her whole life, and now Angela comes forward and tells the police that Charlie had murdered her mother and tried to kill her father and herself. And it was at this moment, over 30 years after it happened, that Charlie's two younger sisters, Jessica and Melanie, finally found out that their mother had not died in a car crash. She was actually murdered by their brother. And these revelations were also earth shattering to Michelle and Terry's family. They were furious that they didn't know who Charlie was, that they didn't know about his past. They were also furious that someone can just murder someone. I know he was 13, but they were furious that Charlie was just able to murder his mom, go to this hospital for a year, and then no one actually know what he's done. But things were not over just yet because now the police had learned about Charlie's past and they also knew all about his weird obsessions with human anatomy and heart removal. Combined with how Michelle was murdered and that her head was decapitated and her heart was cut out, the police start to think to themselves, there is no way that this man has gone from killing his mom at the age of 13 to now 30 years later, this being his next murder. They were thinking, I can guarantee that this man is a serial killer. So the next line of investigation for the police, they start to think, does this man have any more victims? The police start poring over cold cases. They also learn that with Charlie's job, he traveled a lot which gave him a lot of opportunity to have a lot of victims. And because Charlie had a very specific MO, I mean, it's not exactly very common, is it, for a victim to be decapitated and then their heart cut out. So when the police are looking into all of these cold cases, they have his MO. And unbelievably, I actually cannot believe I'm saying this, but 26 murders could be linked to Charlie. Brand. Yes, 26. He has a very specific MO, which means those 26 victims were killed in a very similar, if not the exact, way. And the first of these cases was none other than that suspected murder back in 1989 when Charlie had returned home from fishing and was covered in blood. Well it turns out that that was not the blood of fish. This murder was of a woman called Sherry Parisho and she was murdered the exact night that Charlie didn't return home and it was also the exact night that he had come home covered in blood. Sherry was found decapitated, and her heart was cut out, and her body was found four blocks away from Charlie's home. At the time, the police had no idea who had done this murder, but now, 17 years later, now that they knew Charlie's MO, they knew that Charlie was responsible for this murder. The police also learned from Jim Graves, remember him? The police also learned from Jim Graves that it was this murder of Sherry that Terry was concerned about. And with Jim's testimony and the way that Sherry was murdered and where she was murdered, this was enough evidence for the police to close the case and definitively link the murder of Sherry Parisho to Charlie Brandt. But there was more murders. In 1995, the body of Darlene Tola was found wrapped in a blanket on the side of a highway. She had also been decapitated and her heart cut out. Again, at the time, the police had no idea who had killed Darlene. But now, almost 10 years later, now the police knew Charlie's MO, they reopened the case. Now, Charlie kept meticulous records. He was a very organized guy, which is probably how he was able to get away with these murders. But he kept meticulous records of all of the mileage that he did in his car. And on the day that Darlene was murdered, Charlie had made an entry into his log that he kept, and he had done the exact amount of miles from his house to where Darlene was found. But not only that, a dog hair was found wrapped in the blanket that Darlene was found in. And amazingly, after searching Charlie Brandt's truck, 10 years after the murder, dog hair was also found in his truck. And through DNA analysis, the dog hair found in Charlie Brandt's truck was an exact match to the dog hair found on the blanket that Darlene's body was wrapped in. Again, definitively linking another murder to Charlie. So at this point, it is 100% confirmed that Charlie Brandt is a serial killer. I mean, he has obviously murdered his mom. It has now been discovered that he has murdered two more women. And then we also know that he murdered his wife and his niece. But unfortunately, even though Charlie has been linked to many more murders in those other cold cases, there isn't enough evidence to definitively say that Charlie Brandt is responsible. However, given the eerily similar MO, detectives think that Charlie Brandt is responsible for many more murders. And that was the case of Charlie Brandt, which was just shocking. Shocking all round. I do fully believe that Charlie has more victims, there is no doubt in my mind. And obviously he intended to kill his whole family in the beginning, but he only ended up killing his mom and obviously that was all triggered by his dad murdering his dog, but then another big trigger I think was the fact that his sister rejected him. I didn't actually quite fit this into the story because there was just so much to get through, but when Charlie married Terry in 1986, Terry had invited his sister Angela, but Angela didn't want anything to do with him, so she didn't attend his wedding. And this really hurt Charlie. Again, he felt like his sister abandoned him, just like he felt like she abandoned him on the night that he murdered his mom. And I believe that when his sister abandoned him, even though she didn't, but in his mind she did. When she rejected him again by not going to his wedding, I think that that was possibly another trigger for him that then resulted into him becoming a serial killer. And obviously I'm not blaming Angela at all. I don't blame her for not wanting anything to do with Charlie. I'm just kind of speculating as to what the hell happened. And it's just weird that the first murder and the last murders that he committed are personal. The first murder is what started it all, what triggered off and awoke the serial killer in him. And then it was the last murders. They were so personal. I do believe that those other murders leading up to the murder of Michelle was just a build-up to Michelle. Those last murders are what ended it. I mean, obviously, that is all just me speculating. That is my mind running away from me. But we will never truly know what actually was going on in his head. And that brings us to the end of the episode on Charlie Brandt. There are no updates on this case so thank you so much everyone for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup and if you enjoy the show it would mean so much to me if you could leave a five-star review. In the meantime if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios and I'll see you all in in the next one.